This is the Bob Olin Show on KDAL. All right, good morning, Bob. First show in November here on the 7th of November. Good morning to you. Well, good morning to you, Dave, and certainly to all our listeners. Very interesting morning, little snow showers. Uh, Things have warmed up since last week when it was brutally cold. So um, it's going to be kind of uh, interesting as we move forward with all the variability in in the weather that we're seeing right now, Dave. Uh, the word is we're supposed to get a little warm-up next week, so we'll see how that goes. But pretty much normal temperatures, it sounds like, this week. Oh, that's good. A little warm-up next week, uh, yeah. you know, that gives us an opportunity, and we can talk a little bit about this. There's still a few fall cleanup chores. Yeah. Um, you know, there are leaves on the ground. Uh, we look at leaves a little bit differently, and these fall chores a little bit differently. This is the feedstock for your compost pile. Mm-hmm. We've talked about uh, compost a little bit. Uh, this is the organic material. Uh, that we really need in our soils in northern Minnesota, northwestern Wisconsin. We've got very heavy soils. We really don't have that deep, rich uh, black material that they've got a little bit farther south. We've got our peat bogs. It's kind of interesting, Dave. You know, uh, most of our mineral soils, they came from the uh, destruction of rock or the breakdown of rock over long periods of time. Our organic soils, uh, they came from the breakdown of plant material. Uh, typically uh, sphagnum mosses as well as sedges. And uh, when we get a little bit farther south in uh, both Wisconsin and in Minnesota, we get deep, rich, dark, loamy soils. And these are actually mineral soils. They started with a breakdown of rock, but then over uh, thousands of years we had the deposition of organic material as as these areas, whether it be uh, prairie grasses or whether it be forested areas, uh, over long periods of time, all this vegetative material broke down and was incorporated into the soil. Northern Minnesota, that whole process didn't really occur. We've got the deposition of a lot of material in peat areas, so we've got our organics in the peat, and we've got um, the mineral soils, which are relatively low in organic, and our, our topsoils are typically lighter in color. They're not deep, dark black. They're more uh, brown, typically, and uh, they're very low in organic. So a little farther south, we had the organics mixed in. Up north, we've got organics in one location, in other words, peat, and then mineral soils in another location. We really want to mix the two, so we want to bring the organic levels up. And one way you can do that is compost every organic material that you've got from leaves to grass clippings to your kitchen waste, and then incorporate that into your garden soil. I think it's one of the most beneficial things that you can do. As a matter of fact, um, we typically call compost gardeners gold because it adds so much value to our soils. Not only nutrient value, now there's NP and K, nitrogen, phosphorus, potassium in there, as well as a whole host of uh, trace nutrients in compost as well. But in addition to that, it improves the structure and the water, either drainage, if you have a real heavy clay soil, it improves the drainage so we get some of that extra water off there during wet periods. And it also opens that clay soil up uh, during dry periods. If you've got a light sandy soil or a sandy loam, uh, then the organic uh, material, the compost that you add, it performs another function. It actually holds on to the moisture uh, when you need it. Instead of draining it all out, it slows down uh, this movement of uh, soluble nutrients uh, out of the root zone. So it, it performs a very valuable function of holding water on sandy soils and then uh, actually dispersing water on heavy clay soils. Very valuable 
commodity for us, so you've got leaves still out there on the grass. Uh, look at them as something that you definitely want to collect. This perception has changed over the last several years. Now we see signs out, leaves wanted, where people will actually take your leaves and they will compost them for use in their both flower and vegetable gardens. And of course, we've got our Western Lakesburg Sanitary District here in Duluth, uh, where they actually uh, collect yard waste, both branches as, and woody material, as well as leaves and grass clippings. And then they make their own commercial product, uh, which is a compost product, which is sold by the pickup and ball. Uh, packaged up uh, in uh, easy-to-handle packages. So a very valuable commodity. Instead of going into landfills, all this waste becomes a resource and can be used and recycled goes back into the garden. So there's kind of a long spiel on it. For oh, yeah. Reason. We really want to compost. Very valuable. I've been known to collect potato scraps uh, uh, from other folks, uh, dinners and whatnot. I've collected the uh, coffee grounds, everything, because we never have quite enough feedstock to mm-hmm. produce the compost we really need for our gardens, Dave. Now, the leaves are going to break down. Can we just leave them on the lawn and help the lawn out, or is it better to get them off the lawn? Well, you know, it's really better to get them off the lawn. Now, we want uh, we don't want people to stress about this. Sometimes people get very unnerved if they can't <laughs> get every leaf off the ground. I try to I mulch them up into little pieces and leave them there, but... Well, you know, we have we do have recycling mowers yeah. out there. If you can get them chopped up, and if that if that layer isn't too heavy, mm-hmm. if it's real heavy, then we retain moisture. In a wet yeah. year like this, one of the real downfalls of uh, of a good quality turf is uh, fungal disease, and fungal disease thrives when there's moisture that gets collected over periods of time, several days or a week or so, and then doesn't have the opportunity to dry down. Then the fungi begin to reproduce. If you've got a, a leaf layer on top there, you retain some of that moisture. So that encourages an environment for fungal disease. Fungal diseases in lawns are very difficult to control. Even with the use of uh, fungicides and other chemicals, it, it can be very devastating. So really like them picked up if you can't get at them now. Uh, then uh, certainly in the spring before growth returns, try to get those leaves off. Try to get them, instead of what we call direct uh, uh, deposition in your gardens, a lot, of, a lot of people like to just rake them on the, on the garden. So you've got an open garden area, and then you've got six, eight inches of leaves there. We found that uh, in the breakdown, they're going to break down, but in the breakdown process, we get a lot of intermediate acids. It creates an environment that isn't conducive for good growth and, and good nutrient uptake. So instead of direct application, we really want those leaves and other material. We want them in a compost pile. We want that compost pile to be managed so that it will break down into this very stable product, dark product compost has an early uh, or kind of an earthy smell. It won't happen quickly. It'll take, um, with even good composting practices for the backyard gardener, about a year or so. Mm-hmm. So you're constantly rotating, constantly picking it up, and constantly reapplying it to your garden. Very valuable resource. So look at those leaves as something that you can pick up. We all need the exercise. Pick it up with a rake. Uh, get it in a nice big pile. It's moist now. You might need to add a little uh, nutrient, a little nitrogen there into your pile uh, just to get things going. But certainly the water's there, and uh, if you pick things up, we can retain structure, and it's really a very simple process that will occur if you pay attention to a few of the details, Dave. Yeah, my neck of the woods, uh, most of the leaves still haven't come off the trees yet, so I'm hoping that happens before the snow falls. 
Yeah, that'd be good. It, it is kind of interesting. It depends on the species. Right. We've got some oaks that uh, hang on to those leaves through much of the winter <laughs> and drop them uh, very late winter as the in early spring when the new buds begin to push them off. Wow. So it, it is quite dependent upon the species. I know that uh, most of the birds in Aspen and area have lost a lot of their leaves, but we still have, mm-hmm. uh, certainly in the oak family, we've got uh, several that retain their leaves long into the uh, winter months. Dave. All right. Well, let's take a first break. And again, a reminder, you can call Bob with any gardening questions you might have. Bob will be happy to answer them for you. It's 925 now at KDAO. Once again, here's Bob. It's 927. Bob, you got some special doings uh, going on at the farmer's market here coming up, right? Well, we really do. This uh, this Saturday is our festival of seasons. Ah. And we got a little, we're shifting just a little bit. This mm-hmm. emphasis is going to be on the greens and uh, what we call goods from the woods, <laughs> as well as a lot of uh, very unique uh, craft items and gift items for the holiday season. So nice. we got one little last shot for the uh, farmer's market. That's November 11th, that's this Saturday, Festival of the Seasons, uh, 10 to 3. Hours have shifted just a little bit, mm-hmm. so it's a, it's a good time. And we will still have a couple of uh, winter crop uh, vegetable uh, growers there. But for the most part, uh, things have changed. The veggies will be uh, more um, uh, the winter-keeping vegetables, the winter squash and mm-hmm. the onions and the uh, potatoes, those types of things. So most of our vendors are probably going to be bringing up uh, greens and boughs and and things you can decorate with uh, for both Thanksgiving as well as for uh, the Christmas season. So it's a, a wonderful opportunity. Again, local vendors, we have a good time with it, 10 to 3. Uh, we're kind of suggesting people may consider carpooling if they're making uh, yeah. the tour of different uh, types of gift act, uh, activities in the community. Uh, we will... We've got good parking on the streets, good parking in the uh, at the actual uh, market, but this is a, a very, very busy event. It's going to be a great day, festival of the seasons. Come and see us one last time down at the Duluth Farmers Market. That's 14th Avenue East and 3rd Street. Dave. All right, and different hours again. Remind us about that. Different hours. Five hours to get down there, yeah. uh, 10 to 3, <laughs> and uh, it is a very festive opportunity. Uh, and, again, it's our emphasis is on local, local crafters, uh, local producers, and uh, it's just always a very good time. And the weather won't be real severe. We've had some real cold days on this event, but this one won't be bad on the weekend. We've got a nice covered location. It's just a fun day. All right. Let's head to the phone. Bob, we got a question, I think. Hi, who's this? Hi, this is Gary. Go ahead, Gary. I got a question for Bob. All right. He's listening. Okay, Bob. Hey, I was lucky enough this spring I got an oak acorn to sprout, and I, you know, it, it lasted all summer. It uh, dropped its leaves now. It's in about a gallon pot. What's the best way to keep it for next year? Oh, that's a good question right there. And I'm glad it's just one year old. The thing about oaks, first, congratulations, you got it to sprout. Um, The thing about oaks is it has a a long caprit. So if we're going to move them into the ground, we want to do that right now. We want to get it in the ground. We want to get it established. If we let that go too long uh, in the container, then that caprit gets kind of tailed up and uh, it makes transplanting quite difficult. So I would still go with that in the ground. I would uh, uh, work it out of that plastic container. I I would just find an area where you've got, uh, ideally, full sun and some good drainage. And you can work a little, if you have compost, you can work a little bit of that in the area just to give it a a start. But I think uh, in view of the fact there's uh, no frost in the ground right now, rather than trying to overwinter it, the worst thing you could do is just let it sit outside in a... uh, 
exposed location and the extreme cold temperatures will more than likely kill that oak. So you're off to a good start. Let's get it in the ground and then uh, just keep the any vegetation that may emerge uh, trimmed around it and uh, probably no uh, fertility in the spring. Just let it let it grow out. And I'm assuming that was from an acorn from an adjacent tree or, or one that's uh, an oak variety that's well suited for this area. Is that right, Ray? Yes, it, it's right next to our house. So it's probably about 35 years old or so. Oh, wonderful. So you've got a good location for oaks. Uh, that's uh, that's important. Uh, I think you're going to have some pretty good uh, success for it. Remember, again, they can get very substantial in size. So wherever you're going to plant it, uh, make sure you've got plenty of room away from the house, outbuildings, and so forth, and uh, full sun if you can find a good location for that. And uh, come back. We'll talk about your success in another 35 years, okay? <laughs> thanks, Bob. <laughs> All right. Thanks for the call. Thank you, Gary. Good question. Yeah. I know you before recommended maybe it might be a little late to plant most trees, but this one it sounds like it's a good idea to get it in the ground now. Well, I think it, I think it's a good idea in this case because what are his alternatives going to be? Right. You know, um, you'd have to find a, uh, a heated garage or someplace where we wouldn't mm-hmm. get those real cold penetrations. And uh, again, because it's oak, uh, other species which have a more spreading root system transplant much more readily. And if you're in that situation where you've got something in a container, say you've got an apple tree, I would still, I might still put it in the ground if I had right. it. I wouldn't be buying new material. Right. Uh, sorry to all of our sponsors that might have material. Uh, they're <laughs> going to have to overwinter them, but uh, I'd rather buy in the spring. Right now we're getting rather late, but if you have it and it's in a container, a little bit of a challenge to get it overwintered. Uh, we'd want to lay them down. We'd have to cover with straw. You're going to have to have good rodent protection because the rodents go to work on anything that's close to the ground like that. So it's a little bit of a challenge uh, to overwear containerized material. If you have it, uh, I put it in the ground. In this case, with a oak, as I mentioned, they've got a long taproot. They don't transplant real readily when they uh, when they get a few years old. So I would, uh, I'd be getting that one in the ground right now. And there's plenty of warmth there. We've got a warm week coming up. We'll mm-hmm. just get it established, and it, it should be fine. You said you seemed rather amazed that he got it going from an acorn. How difficult is that? How do you go about doing that? Well, yeah, you know, a lot of people collect acorns, right. and uh, uh, one of one of the keys, and they don't have uh, a lot of success. I think, uh, you know, uh, plant or try to start plenty of them. We like to uh, what we call scarify the seed in this case, where you might take a nail file and just try to cut down that uh, that original uh, shell on that uh, on that acorn. Ah. They also, uh, you know, to get them to sprout properly, they typically need to they need to go through a uh, a winter uh, winterization process here, where we where we don't really want them sprouting. So if you had acorns from this year, mm-hmm. uh, they have to be uh, vernalized. They have to be taken through the winter, either outdoors in a protected location or in the refrigerator in a damp location for about 60 days. Otherwise, uh, these acorns that fell this year would sprout in the winter and they would die in the cold process. So they actually have built-in inhibitors, so they're designed to make it through that first winter and then sprout in spring. So if you've got acorns, you're holding on to them. Uh, what I'd be doing is I'd be uh, waiting a little bit longer. They're dried now, and I'd probably wait until maybe let's, let's take a look at February, uh, just uh, take a file, 
and just nip the outside. Don't cut into the flesh, but just break down a little bit of that outer shell and then seed them out in a damp sand uh, condition, uh, maybe a cake pan with damp sand. Find a spot in the fridge if you can and pull a little wrap over the top to retain some of the moisture and let them go for about 60 to 80 to 90 days, and that breaks down this inhibitor, and then I'd be planting them outside, uh, maybe multiple uh, seeds in kind of a seed bed and just see what sprouts there. And if you get, you know, two, three out of ten, I think you're doing extremely well. Wow. And then in that first year, uh, you can transplant them. Uh, Subsequently, if you want to move them around, we've got to get that done in the first couple of years here because of that taproot that I mentioned. Sometimes people will have multiple oaks. uh, They'll have... uh, them they've been in the ground for five years and then they want to move them around to a final destination or some location where there's plenty of room for the tree and they're not very successful making that move because uh, they don't transplant that readily apples on the other hand they've got a taproot but they've got a lot of laterals as well and the apples we can move uh, pretty readily at least within that first five years so every every species a little different dave right. But uh, that's the way I'd be uh, going with the oaks. The great thing is every location isn't well suited for oaks. We're right at that that area where if you've got a little lake effect, the oaks do well. If we're uh, farther inland, uh, we've got a limited number of species. Northern pins make it, bur oak, swamp oak makes it, but uh, some of our other more desirable oaks are just not really well suited the farther north we go into our listing area, Dave. How fast do they grow? Is it a quick-growing tree or a slow-growing tree? Mm-hmm. Well, the interesting thing is oaks will take off uh, relatively quickly early in their life, and oh. then they tend to tend to really slow down. So you'll get some uh, good growth, and once again, we got a heavy deer population, regardless <laughs> of where you may be located. So let's get some protection for that young uh, seedling, and that would be good in Gary's case here to get uh, some kind of a wire fencing around it. If we have an open winter and the deer really have to try more to lay more fallow on uh, deer are very well adapted eating just about everything vegetatively so i would be uh concerned about that as well getting some protection uh the first several years till we get some height on that tree and and uh then they're in pretty good shape all right we'll take another break and be right back more of the bob olin show here on a tuesday from kdao it is the bob olin show the 7th of november and bob will be talking christmas trees before you know it Yes, we absolutely will, Dave. You know, we've talked about this a little bit. We're very, very fortunate. We've got so many evergreens in this area. It's such a nice collection of them. We've got lots of options. We've got what we call the plantation trees or culture trees that are nicely sheared and shaped. And then we've got the Charlie Bond trees out there, the balsams that uh, many people will prefer as well. We've got long needle varieties, short needle varieties. Uh, so many of these are native to the area, and uh, we've also got a nice assortment of uh, commercial growers, whether it be cut your own or whether it be uh, through those that have been harvested, shared and harvested and bundled down at the Duluth Farmer's Market and other locations. Uh, we're just really fortunate that, that way, Dave. Right. Uh, our species, you know, the, um, the typical uh, sheared uh, tree will be maybe uh, – 8 to 15 years in age, depending on the species and how fast it grows in the location. And, uh, you know, as I mentioned, we've gone from some of the long needle varieties. In Minnesota, state tree is uh, the Norway pine. I believe the state tree is uh, maple in Wisconsin. Is that right, Dave? I do not know. I do believe that's the situation there. 
And, of course, you just have to drive from here to Bayfield, and you know why. <laughs> it's a big difference in display right. there. But in Minnesota, it's the uh, the red pine or the Norway pine, and this is the pine that has got the long needles, uh, two needles in a bundle or a fascicle. Uh, they were very popular as Christmas trees or holiday trees, we'll call them now. But nonetheless, um, we've now shifted to a preference for some of the shorter needle varieties, and this is, I mentioned balsam, which is... Uh, uh, ubiquitous in the area. It's just about everywhere. Short needle variety and some of our other spruce or short needle varieties, they become very popular. The balsam are being sheared now. At one time, you know, we talk about the Charlie Brown tree where you've got a balsam that's got the big gaps between uh, the, the lateral branches so you can hang a lot of tinsel and other things in there to fill it up. But now a lot of our growers are sharing the balsam and they look real nice and very very full wow. uh, we've got other uh, other furs it's balsam fur of course other furs that are uh, are have become very very popular right now the short needle varieties spruce balsam the furs uh, have become uh, very uh, popular kind of an intermediate length needle is the white pine uh, now here we've got five needles in a bundle and that's uh, the way you remember that Dave uh-huh. you know, is that um, the word white has five letters in it, and white pine has five needles in a bundle. Ah. Very, very soft, and they're very, um, you know, they're kind of intermediate in, the, in length, so they're halfway between our short needle species and our long needle species, and uh, they are very popular as a, a Christmas tree as well. So we're very uh, fortunate that way. You know, if I can digress just a little bit, yep. you know, thinking about some of the boughs that are going to be at the right. festival of the seasons, uh, there will be a lot of swags and boughs and other things that are going to be brought in for that. We've also got something called a, um, a princess pine, which grows out in our wooded areas. Uh, they're very prolific. That's a very interesting uh, species. It uh, grows low to the ground. Uh, they're not a pine. They're really closely related to ferns. And uh, they are harvested uh, typically this season and uh, at this time of year. Very interesting because they're at really what we call lycopodium is the name of the uh, the genus. Princess pine, there's also one of these lycopodiums. It's actually called princess cedar. They grow just a little bit differently where a pine's got that central root system. A pine tree now has got that root system down there. These have got... An underground uh, rhizome, which is a stem that pops up these shoots, these more mature, mature shoots. So you see these nice low, low-lying areas out in the woods there, princess pine or lycopodium, and they're really large clones. So you've got these uh, this network of underground stems as well as uh, roots that spread out through a given area, and these are typically harvested. And if you are out harvesting in the woods, you want to uh, do that a little bit carefully. Uh, they will ultimately form what we call a, uh, a cone or call it stroboli in the, in the actual botanical terms where you've got a shoot that actually contains the spores. So these will reproduce vegetatively with these stems I'm talking about. They'll also kick out a number of spores. So uh, it takes about uh, six years for those spores to actually form or for that cone to form. And this is the mature vegetative form. So you can harvest those. Probably the best way to harvest is just get down, clip them at ground level. Don't take them all because, that, that again, that princess pine is connected to this underground rhizome system or stem system. You want to just harvest them 
uh, so they regenerate. If you take all of that green material off, there isn't enough green material for that underground stem uh, to collect the sugars that it needs. So we want to harvest uh, just the mature princess pine. Uh, a very interesting history, the, the spores that come from these matures, they're, they're very, very, uh, they're harvested and they're, they're very flammable. As a matter of fact, as I was reading about these a little bit, uh, they were actually used in some of the initial uh, flash photography because they would wow. flame up very quickly and give you that explosive flash. And they're still, I understand, uh, harvested for that that potential. But that's something a little different. That's a kind of a commercial venture where people are collecting the princess pine just for those very flammable spores. But for most of us, we're going to harvest them. They're very attractive for the tabletop displays and other things. I'm sure we'll have some yeah. some down at the market we do every year. But if you're out there harvesting on your own in the woods, uh, again, I would mention the fact that you want to be a little cautious. Don't over-harvest because mm-hmm. you want them to come back. Maybe mark out an area that harvested one year and, co- and let it go for at least one or two years. And then you can come back and you can harvest as well just so that underlying uh, root and the rhizome and clone system Stays intact, then you're not going to you're not going to be doing uh, that particular species any damage. And matter of fact, in some cases, might actually be um, a little bit more stimulative to reproduction. But not if you harvest an entire area and completely. Interesting. So take a few, let them go, uh, mark the area, come back in another two three years, and uh, then you can reharvest as well, Dave. And you can find some of that uh, this weekend. Yeah, Princess Pine, I'm not sure. We've always got a couple vendors that bring them in. They are very attractive. They're Mm -hmm. very unique. They look like little Christmas trees. I mentioned (laughs) we've got uh, one species that looks a little different. It's called Princess uh, Cedar. Uh, They'll call it so many different names. Ground uh, ground Pine comes to mind. Club Moss comes to mind. Not a moss. They really are uh, related to the ferns. But nonetheless, uh, they're very attractive for tabletop displays coming into the... uh, holiday season. All right, give us the time and the location again for that uh, special farmer's market this weekend. Festival of the Seasons, this is at the Duluth Farmer's Market, that's 14th Avenue East and 3rd Street, just one block down from the Burrito Union. Uh, 10 to 3, uh, it is a good time, as always, and we're looking forward to seeing a lot of folks there. Mostly emphasizing the holiday season, boughs and greens, and hopefully some princess pine down for you there as well. <laughs> And then there are still we still have a few uh, late season vegetable vendors for Thanksgiving meal, uh, potatoes, squash, onions. Uh, these type of late season vegetables will be there as well, Dave. Yeah, it sounds like these princess pines would be great decoration, but you want to keep them away from candles, right? As they dry out, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's right. a very good point. And some people I've seen them made in a beautiful wreaths and okay. so forth, and. Uh, look uh, great, but as they dry out in a heated home, wow. uh, you definitely want to keep them away from uh, a heat source of right. any kind of type as well. Bob, I know you got another commitment. I have to leave early, so we'll catch you next week. Thank you. It's always a, a pleasure, uh, Dave. Good questions today, and uh, we will see you next week. Stay All right. Good. Coming up on 950 here at KDAL. More Bob Olin next Tuesday on 9 o'clock. 